Coming up on today's edition of the Locked On Raiders podcast, the Raiders have a new tight end on the team that they signed on Tuesday. Plus, of course, mandatory minicamp went down. Not only will I give you my thoughts on it, but you'll hear some sounds. Josh McDaniels, Derek Carr, and tight end Darren Waller all talk to the media, so you'll hear some of that. And my guy, John McClain, he talked about Lester Hayes, Mike Haynes, and the Raiders secondary, so you'll hear some thoughts on that. Plus your calls and texts and more, all coming up on today's edition of the Locked On Raiders podcast for Wednesday, June 8th, 2022. You're Locked On. On Raiders, your daily podcast on the Las Vegas Just Raiders, win. part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Just win. Your team Just every win. day. Just win. Your win is a Raider. Pillaging just for fun. He'll knock you round and upside down and laugh when he's conquered and won. And welcome in Raider Nation to another edition of the Locked On Raiders podcast. Thank you so much for making the show your first listen each and every day. Remember, you can find the Locked On Raiders podcast free and available on all platforms. Today's show is actually being brought to you by Blue Nile. Make your moment sparkle with jewelry from BlueNile.com. All listeners of the Locked On Raiders podcast will get $50 off purchases of $500 or more. This podcast exclusive includes engagement. You got to make sure you use the promo code Locked On at checkout. Of course, I'll tell you about that more later on in the show. But right now, I got to get to news and notes. Have a loaded show for you. Got to get to news and notes. But before I even do that, I'm actually getting this show up just a little bit later than normal. And that's because I was at the movie premiere of Jurassic World. I believe Jurassic World Dominion is called uh, myself, uh, the wife, and of course, little Sarah, our daughter, uh, who just graduated, by the way, not too long ago. I think last week, uh, time flies, but yeah, last week, uh, we all went to the movie and checked it out, and uh, it was it was a good movie. I'm a guy who doesn't know too much about Jurassic Park at all, except for it has to do with dinosaurs, but since it was a movie premiere, I figured it was a, it was a great way to get out and see a movie and, and not have to pay for it, so we did that, and uh, it was pretty good. Again, I don't really know too much about the previous Jurassic Parks. Apparently, this is the trilogy, and I say that in air quotes because I'm sure the moment that they decide and they realize how much money they made off this one, they'll find another way to make another one. But if you're into the Jurassic Park movies, uh, this is a good one. I, I do think it is a good one. At least I thought it was a good one. It drops on the 10th, so uh, you can go ahead and check that out and take your family and friends. But let's go ahead and jump into some Raider news because, well, that's what we're here for, right? And on Tuesday, the Raiders signed a tight end. That's uh, Jesper Horstead. Uh, he joined the Raiders after spending the first three seasons in the league with the Bears. Originally signed with Chicago as an undrafted free agent in 2019. He's played in 13 career games. He has had one start. He's had 10 catches, 108 yards. And three touchdowns. He's a guy who actually played collegiately at Princeton. He actually set career program records for catches, 196, and touchdowns, 28. And as a senior in 2018, he earned first-team All-Ivy League honors after catching 72 passes for 1,047 yards and 13 touchdowns. So uh, a guy who just makes the roster now at 90. If the Raiders go and make any more moves, they'll have to cut a guy as well. But as far as I'm concerned, he's a guy who's going to go in there and provide competition. It's something that Josh McDaniels has said multiple times, that they're going to continue to try to bring in guys and continue to try to uh, boost up the roster. So when it comes down to time to cut and get down to the 53-man roster, they get the best. 53 men that they can go into the season with. Now, do I think that Jesper is going to be one of those guys? No, not at all. Maybe he's a practice squad guy. Maybe he's a camp guy. Uh, but I don't think he's going to be a major factor. But you just never know. So he did sign with the Silver and Black on Tuesday. Also on Tuesday, the Raiders had day one of their mandatory mini camp. They'll have day two later on today. And of course, day three on Thursday. And then they'll have next week, they'll have a one session of OTAs. Well, it's June 13th and 14th. And one of those days will be allowed to be out there. And then they're going to basically shut it on down. And it'll be shut on down till training camp, and then it's full throttle. But from what I was able to see at mandatory minicamp on Tuesday, 
Uh, I, I actually like what I saw, and it wasn't because it was a lot of high pace or uh, fast action or, you know, precision play or it wasn't like that. It just seemed like they knew the part. You know, uh, Alex Leatherwood, once again, was participating at the right tackle position, so I feel pretty good that he's going to get every opportunity possible to earn that spot. I like seeing Derek Carr, Devontae Adams, Darren Waller, and Hunter Renfro all look like they were on the same page. I also like to see Jarrett Stidham, the quarterback that the Raiders traded with the New England Patriots. They brought him in. I like to see him in Derek Carr's ear. Every time the horn blew and they were changing fields or they were changing to another drill, you always saw Jared Stidham in Derek Carr's ear. And I feel like he's helping teach him the terminology, helping him learn this Josh McDaniels offense that he's been in the whole time that he's been in the league. The whole three years he's been in the league, he's been with Josh McDaniels. So to know that he's now with the Raiders and knows that he knows the terminology and what Josh McDaniels is attempting to do and why every play is set up the way it is, what the purpose of it is, I think that helps in a major way way and so there was a hundred percent attendance there there were some guys that weren't out there practicing on the field like a Josh Jacobs but uh, Josh McDaniels did say there was a hundred percent attendance for mandatory minicamp which they're supposed to be but they've also had really good attendance at OTA so I kind of felt like that was a no-brainer that you'd see a hundred percent attendance and so we'll be out there again later on this afternoon I don't know what coaches and players will talk to but had an opportunity to talk to Josh McDaniels Derek Carr Darren Waller we were supposed to speak to John Abram but for the second time uh, he ghosted us or, or if he didn't ghost us they just ended up not not talking so maybe he'll talk later on today who knows but you'll hear from Josh McDaniels you hear from Derek Carr and you'll hear from Darren Waller coming up in segment number two now I did want you to hear my guy John McClain he's formerly of the Houston Chronicle I talk about him quite a bit here on the show uh, you've heard sound bites he's on my radio show each and every Tuesday unnecessary roughness Raider Nation Radio 920 is on at three o'clock and since I've had the interviews with Lester Hayes on Monday and then Mike Haynes on Tuesday I just asked him he's been around the league for such a long time I asked him about that duo between Lester Hayes and Mike Haynes and how stinking good they really were. I love John McClain's breakdown, and then I, I asked him a couple follow-up questions. So here it is, John McClain starting off talking about the duo of Lester Hayes and Mike Haynes. They were totally different players. Mike was uh, the really athletic, smooth, smart, instinctive corner. He had great size. Lester was a former linebacker from Texas A&M who made the change to corner. He was very physical. He got up in people's faces. Back then, you could play a whole different game than you could play now. And he was infamous for going over the sideline and putting stick em on his hands. <laughs> and Monday Night Football used to show him just slopping that stuff all over his hands, and he led the league in interceptions and got the stick em outlawed. And uh, Lester, I thought several times, when he's a finalist for the Hall of Fame, he'd have a chance to get in now, I think he's moved to the veterans category, and we've the veterans each year to three, which I think would be good for him. But I'll tell you what: if you go back in the history of pro football, the best secondary I've ever seen was Detroit when it had, let's see, Dick LeBeau, Yale mm. Larry, Night Train Lane, and Lim Barney, and they're all in the Hall of Fame. But the corners with Mike Haynes and Lester Hayes and their style and style of play that the Raiders played then and won Super Bowls, uh, there's never been a better pair. 
Nice. I like it. And I'll tell you what, talking to him, and I get to talk to him uh, quite a bit, but talking to him in person was fun. I mean, Lester is just such a character. It was so much fun talking to him. And he talked about, and I'm sure you're very aware of this, he talked about Pat Thomas. He shared a story about Pat Thomas at Texas A&M, how he thought he was the best corner ever. And he said the only people who thought Pat Thomas was the best corner ever were people from Texas because everyone else knew it was Mike Haynes. What are your thoughts on Pat Thomas? P.T. P.T. played with the Rams. They had a great secondary. They had three tremendous players. And Pat was an assistant coach with the Oilers when I covered the Oilers. Mm. Just a really good guy and a really good player as well. But if you had to take one of those guys as a corner, I think you'd take Lester Hayes. <laughs> well, I'll tell you, he was telling the stories about how much he loved Pat, and he said that Pat actually taught him uh, how to be corner. And then he said that Mike Haynes, he, he, he couldn't stand Mike Haynes while he was in New England. And then all of a sudden he got a chance to play with him, and he loved him. So he actually said God had a, a sense of humor. <laughs> so they don't make corners. If you, you know, I, don't, I think Mike's, what, 6'2"? Yep. Now, the game was different back then. You had bigger corners. Mel Blunt of the Steelers is in the Hall of Fame. Mm-hmm. Mel was 6'3". It wasn't about running a 4-3 or 4-4. It was about hitting those receivers at the line of scrimmage, hitting them all over the field, which you could do, sticking with them, knocking them off their route, intimidating them, and then being very physical when the ball got there. And so that's what it was all about. If a corner came out built like Mike Haynes today and had his brain and his instincts, he might be the first corner taken first overall. Let me backtrack a second. Van McElroy, who played safety for the Raiders, third-round pick. Van was a great high school player in Texas, great player at Baylor, mm-hmm. won a Super Bowl ring with the Raiders. Van is from Uvalde, where the high school, where the kids and the teachers were shot. He yeah. still lives in Uvalde. Mm. He's a retired agent, and his dad was a high school coach. And uh, Van was the prototypical Raiders safety. So you had those great corners who could run and were physical, and you wanted headhunters at safety. And, boy, the, the biggest, <laughs> the Raiders against the Steelers. Back during the early 70s, my goodness, the things that safety George Atkinson could get away with, then he'd be put in prison today. <laughs> the things he did to Lynn Swan, Lynn's just standing there after a play's over, and here comes Atkinson with pounding him with his forearm in his helmet and knocking him, giving him a concussion, knocking him out. Those those things were unbelievable. And when I was talking about Raiders had great defensive backs. Al Davis got all his publicity for having quarterbacks who could throw the deep ball down the sideline and then have like Fred Blitnikoff in the middle of the field. And But he had a certain kind of defense he wanted, led by certain kinds of defensive backs. And when I was just thinking back to all the great DBs that the Raiders had, and I thought about Van, Van McElroy because of Uvalde and the fact that I went to Baylor. So there was John McClain right there talking about the Raiders secondary. When you think about Lester Hayes, you think about Mike Haynes. Also, you heard him talk about Van McElroy, who went to Baylor, and John McClain went to Baylor as well. But uh, every once in a while, I just like to really pick the brain of a guy like that who's been around the game for so very long and knows so much and has seen it with his own eyes. It's always great to hear. And so since uh, I had Lester Hayes and Mike Haynes both here on the show, thought it would be appropriate to ask John about those guys. And my final nugget I have for you for segment number one of today's Locked On Raiders 
podcast is a blast from the past. How about the former number one overall pick of the Raiders quarterback, Jamarcus Russell? And I know right now someone probably dropped their drink. Now I'm not bringing up Jamarcus Russell because I want to go into great detail about him. But there is a piece coming out on the Players' Tribune today. Uh, and the Players' Tribune is basically, it's a site that's ran by players. And a lot of times a player will go and they'll write a story about themselves or they'll give an interview about themselves. Well, the Players' Tribune is releasing a piece on Jamarcus Russell today. And when they tweeted it out, it said, y'all don't know a damn thing about Jamarcus Russell tomorrow on the Players' Tribune. So tomorrow is meaning today. But here is a little trailer video. It's only about 30 seconds. This is the video that went along with that title. God. Jamarcus Russell. You know, if he spent... Look at, the, look at the necklaces. If he spent as much time in the film room as he did at the jewelry store, he'd be a much better quarterback. That's unbelievable how much jewelry he's look got on. That, that's got to be a million dollars. It'd be interesting to see oh, more than that, Coach. Look, look at, at those that. bracelets. Look at that stuff. Question. Well, do we know who those three guys are? Because, yeah, yeah. What's that say? Chosen. <laughs> With number two. So there's a little trailer right there from the Players' Tribune talking about Jamarcus Russell again. They're dropping a piece on him sometime today, so I'll definitely be checking it out. And I didn't think at all that I wanted to read or hear about Jamarcus Russell, but since the fact that they're talking about, y'all don't know a damn thing about Jamarcus Russell, and I have seen him in the headlines uh, as of late, uh, people talking about him, writing different stories on him, so I'm really interested to kind of check it out. So I will, and maybe if it's really interesting, bring it to the podcast tomorrow. But uh, yeah, it's going to be a busy day today, but I am interested to see what this player's tribune piece on Jamarcus Russell is going to be. So if you're one of those that uh, likes to check out those player tribunes, do yourself a favor and take a few minutes to see what they're talking about when it comes to uh, the former number one overall pick in Jamarcus Russell. And I thought that was going to be my final note. I do have one more final note. How about this? The Denver Broncos, we know they've been up for sale for a while. They sold for $4.65 billion. And if you think about this, David Tepper, he bought the Carolina Panthers back in 2018 for $2.3 billion. Four years later, the Walton family, who is actually uh, basically part of Walmart, you know, they, they have a little bit of ownership in Walmart or a lot of ownership in Walmart. Uh, they bought the Denver Broncos for more than double that, a whopping $4.65 billion. And the only reason I'm really even bringing that to the table, if that's how much the Broncos are sold for and that's how much they're worth and the Panthers sold for 2.3, can you imagine how much the Raiders are worth right now? Every time that a team gets sold and the money goes up as much as it did, that just makes the rest of the teams in the league, their value go up. So the Raiders, obviously their brand is way more iconic than the Denver Broncos is. So I can only imagine how much Mark Davis's team is worth at this point. If Denver sold for $4.65 billion, could you imagine what the Raiders, not saying that Mark Davis is selling the team, I'm not saying that at all, but if he were to, could you imagine how much he would get for them right now. It would be some stupid number. And when I mean stupid, I just mean stupid large numbers. So uh, that's my final nugget that I have for you for segment number one of today's Locked On Raiders podcast. Coming up in segment number two, I got some sounds from Mandatory Minicamp talking about Josh McDaniels, talking about Derek Carr, Darren Waller. You'll hear all that coming up in segment number two of today's Locked On Raiders podcast. Before I get to that, though, I do want to tell you about BlueNile.com. At BlueNile.com, you can celebrate all of life's special moments from creating the custom engagement ring of her dreams to gifting a classic and timeless jewelry piece, all at prices you won't find at a traditional jeweler. Whether you're ready to pop the question or you're celebrating a milestone moment, find jewelry as unique as her with the modern convenience of online shopping at BlueNile.com. And they have simple online tools that let you choose a diamond shape, size, and clarity, as well as setting style. Blue Nile's bench jewelers will then handcraft her perfect engagement ring, and each ring, it's one of a kind. 
Make your moment sparkle with jewelry from BlueNile.com. And all listeners of the Locked On Raiders podcast will get $50 off purchases of $500 or more. This podcast exclusive includes engagement. You got to use the promo code Locked On, though. That's promo code Locked On. And every order is insured. It ships free and arrives in discreet packaging that won't give away what's inside. So shop stress-free. Find your forever piece. Go to BlueNile.com today. Your Locked On Raiders, your daily podcast on the Las Vegas Raiders. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, Raider Nation, here we go. Segment number two of today's Locked On Raiders podcast. Wanted to bring you some sound from Mandatory Minicamp. Of course, be out there again this afternoon. Well, this morning, really, 10-15 uh, will be when practice starts. And then 12-15 Pacific Standard Time, that's when the media session will start. Don't know what coaches and what players we'll be talking to uh, today, but yesterday I had an opportunity to talk to head coach Josh McDaniels, quarterback Derek Carr, and tight end Darren Waller. So I wanted to bring you a little bit of sound, some stuff that stood out to me from Tuesday's media session, and then uh, we'll do the same thing tomorrow. We'll bring you some good stuff from today's media session, as long as there is some good stuff, and I do believe there will be. So head coach Josh McDaniels was asked off top about measuring day one of camp compared to where he really wants his team to be at this point. Yeah, um, you know, we, we, we try not to measure uh, things in the off season, you know, because it's really just every day is an opportunity to build on something. Um, there's definitely things that we, we know the terminology, we know the verbiage, uh, we know what our assignments are supposed to be. Um, but I think, you know, right now what we're, what we're really working towards is consistency um, and performance, you know, and uh, it's not the physical part of it yet, uh, but, you know, trying to go out there and, you know, if that's your assignment, can you do it right, you know, once and then twice and then 15 times and then for an entire practice, um, that's really where we're at. So, um, you know, had some some good plays and some not so good plays, and that's normal for this time of the year. But uh, still in a big learning phase for us. Um, every opportunity we have to go out there on the field, we we have a chance to get better. And uh, you know, working hard. I think that they understand the way we want to work. They understand what we're trying to get done. And uh, you know, every day just you know get a little better. So there's head coach Josh McDaniels really talking about not really measuring anything but just trying to continue to get better each and every day. And, of course, they have just a very small window, two more days of mandatory minicamp, and then two more days of OTAs before they shut it down until training camp. So uh, Josh McDaniels was asked how he prioritizes the offensive units as far as each position group, you know, quarterback, tight end, running back, offensive line. What's the priorities in Josh McDaniels' mind? I mean, I think there's there's a, an overall priority is to try to, you know, understand um, you know our the foundation of our system and the techniques that we we would ask each of them to, to use you know um, I think you know at that point in time without having had a practice it's hard to sit there and say you know well, this is what we need to do with the you know the slot receivers and this is what we need to do with the halfbacks and this is what we need to do with the tight ends and the guards and so on and so forth um, you know, we'll, we'll know a lot more after, you know, the spring is over and we'll have a chance to digest that information. Um, and then and then we'll reprioritize certain things when we head to training camp. Um, but there's also the physical aspect of it that none of us have seen either. Um, you know, we've seen tape. We've watched tape. Um, we're aware of certain things. But, you know, players change and they develop and they improve and 
Um, you know, and so there's a lot that, you know, that we don't know yet, you know, so uh, we're learning as much as we can now. And when we get to training camp, there'll be a physical part of it that we're going to learn. Um, you know, we're trying to put them in some situations where we can test their their competitive stamina and their mental toughness and their ability to stay with it and think uh, on their feet, you know, as, as the periods were changing pretty quickly today, trying to, you know, get them to grasp certain things. So, um, you know, there's, there's de- definitely a, you know, uh, a, a reprioritization here after we're done with the spring in terms of going into training camp. But uh, right now it's just, you know, everybody's getting reps with everybody and we're trying to, you know, evaluate the players as best we can. So what I heard from that answer was a lot of evaluation. And I do think that what the Raiders are currently doing right now is evaluating all these guys, see what they can do, and then go back and reassess. I think they have a really good idea, but they want to see it right now in a football setting, even though they're not popping pads, even though it's not physical, but they still get an idea of who gets it and who doesn't and who can bring what to the table and what they can't bring to the table. I think they're really doing a deep dive on evaluation as far as what they want these guys to do. They did a lot of evaluation on tape already once they took over, once Dave Ziegler, Champ Kelly, Josh McDaniels, Patrick Graham, all them cats took over, they did a you know deep dive on what they saw on film. Now they're doing a deep dive on what they see in person, and then they're going to evaluate a little bit further. Now, I've mentioned before that the Raiders have had really good attendance at OTAs. And remember, that's voluntary. But Josh McDaniels was asked if it's a little bit easier at this stage of the game to get these guys all on the same page because the attendance at voluntary OTAs has been so good. Definitely. Um, you know, I can't say enough about our, our players um, and what they've done. Um, you know, they've really, uh, like I said last week, you know, they, they're really responsible for the culture. You know, we try to set a standard of what we're looking for, but, you know, they're the ones that go out there and do it, you know, and they're here every day. They're here real early. Um, they're working their butt off and doing everything they can to help themselves improve and help the team, you know, uh, improve along the way. So, um, you know, it's basically been almost everybody except for a couple guys here and then that were dealing with some, you know, family situations and we've got a lot of babies this spring. So, uh, but no, it's been, it's been great. It's been a pleasure to coach them all and, and work with the guys that have been here, which has been the majority of them. And obviously for the mini camp, it's all of them. So there's Josh McDaniels talking about attendance and OTAs has helped so far early on in mandatory mini camp and helped also let these guys kind of learn what he's trying to teach early on because there has been so many people and that's what it should be. I mean, it should be like that anyway, but when you have a new regime, I mean, everyone should be there, right? I mean, you always want to make a good impression on the new regime, the new coach, the new teacher, the new boss, whatever the case may be, you always want to make a good impression. So if you don't think that you should be at something that is voluntary, (laughs) even though it's not really, and I said that in air quotes because we kind of know how that goes, unless there's a really good reason, like he said, hey, there's guys having babies, there's some, you know, people that are excused for this, that, and the other, but for the most part, it's been really good attendance. Now, the final soundbite I want you to hear from Josh McDaniels, and then I just got a couple from Derek Carr and Darren Waller, is about Lester Cotton, the guard has been getting a lot of looks at right guard. Alex Leatherwood has been getting a lot of looks at right tackle. But Vinny Bonsignor asked Josh McDaniels if he's been making a name for himself early on because every time we're out there, he's looking good at right guard. Yeah, I mean, there, you know, we have different drills and periods where they're all going to work with different people. But Les is definitely, um, he shows up every day. He works really hard. He's having a great offseason. Um, you know, and there's a lot of guys in that room that are doing the same thing. But um, no, eager to eager to see what Lester and that whole group's going to do and get the training camp. You know, this is this time of the year for the linemen on both sides of the ball is a, li- a little bit. You know, you can only see about half of what you need to see. So, 
Um, but, you know, they all speak, they all talk, they're communicating well, uh, they're anticipating things, they're learning different positions. You know, the more you can do to help the team at multiple spots, the better off it's going to be. So uh, Lester's done a good job, and, and I think that whole entire room and Carmen and Cam have done a great job of working with them and bringing them along, and uh, he's invested a lot in this offseason. So there's head coach Josh McDaniels right there talking about Lester Cotton getting that uh, experience at that right guard position, and a lot of folks have called into the podcast here and talked about Lester Cotton in the past, and it sounds like he's getting an opportunity. I've been saying that uh, Alex Leatherwood is getting that opportunity at the right tackle position. It sounds like Cotton is getting the opportunity at the right guard. So maybe that's a guy that I've been overlooking. We'll have to see. We'll have to see what happens when they get to training camp and they actually got pads on. But right now, it uh, looks like things are going pretty well for one Lester Cotton. So that's something to continue to monitor for sure. Now, I just got a couple more sound bites, a couple from Derek Carr, a couple from Darren Waller. And the first one from Carr is on McDaniels. And if he sees why he is considered an offensive guru, at least early on in these stages of OTAs and mandatory minicamp. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, their system is, um, you know, our system is different than anything I've been in before. And you, But you see, once you're in it, you're like, wow, I see why it was so successful, you know. Just like anything else, once you get in, you know, in Gru's offense, I was like, wow, I see you know, why he was successful with this, you know. And and obviously Josh has a great track record of, of success and, um, you know, scoring points and all that kind of fun stuff. And, um, you know, it's exciting to be coached by him. Uh, he's very demanding, um, but he's also really fun to be around. You know, our meetings are great. Um, you know, he, he's from day one, you know, since the first phone call. Uh, told me he's been very honest, he's been very open, um, and I appreciate that as a player. So there's Derek Carr talking about head coach Josh McDaniels, his offensive mind, and why folks consider him an offensive guru. And uh, it sounds like he's getting pretty excited about this offense and what they can do, especially with all the weapons. So the final soundbite I want you to hear from Derek Carr has to do with something that I think is very important, the fact that he could just focus on football. He's not worried about a contract. He doesn't have any drama that he's got to go out and talk about like he did a season ago. There ain't no controversy. Right now, it's all just football. How nice is that? How has it been like just to be able to focus on football? It's been freeing, um, you know, more so because I just don't have to answer it. You know, that's the – I, mean, I, I know what they're telling me in here, but then we don't tell everybody else and we got to talk about it in here, you know. And um, it's just nice for that stuff to be out of the way. And so we can just play football. You know, I'm sure someone will want to ask something or come up with something that won't even matter, you know, in 12 months, and it'll be fine. But – for the time being in the building and, you know, just answering football questions has been nice. And, and really with everything we went through last year, I mean, tragedy and, you know, you know, the, you know, coach leaving and things like that. And it's just, it was just so much, it's nice just to be coming to work and it's just all about football, you know. Um, you know, I feel bad for still those families that have to deal with tragedy and loss and, um, you know, careers changing and all that kind of stuff. I mean, we're still all human beings. Like that's, it's hard to deal with. Uh, but when it comes to coming to work and just playing football, talking about football, it's actually been a lot of fun for me. You know, uh, you know I'm still a leader in those things, but I don't have to put my leadership hat on and you know, have to be, you know, you know, put the right message out there, you know, all the time when it's hard and all those kind of things. So uh, it's been it's been fun just to go to work and just grind, you know, go out, make a mistake, learn from it, go out the next day, make it better. It's just been football. And so it's been it's been fun. I'm not going to lie. I bet it has. I mean, man, if Derek Carr can go throughout the season without having to worry about a bunch of drama, uh, he doesn't have to worry about a contract, obviously. But just uh, being able to go out there and just play football and be free, that I think is going to go a very long way. Now, I just have a couple quick sound bites from Darren Waller. He doesn't give real lengthy answers. But the first one from the tight end 
was about the expectations for the team. Are they raised after what they overcame a season ago, making it to the playoffs? Now are the expectations a little bit higher? Yeah, I do believe they are, and I mean, as they should be. Uh, who wouldn't want the expectations to be high, you know? Because like you said, we feel like the character was developed last year. You add talent to the mix. You have a mixture of talent and character. I feel like that's what allows you to accomplish what you want to accomplish. So I feel like we welcome those expectations. There's Darren Waller talking about the expectations and them being raised from a year ago after overcoming everything they overcame and making it to the playoffs. And now the final soundbite I have for you for segment number two and the final soundbite from Darren Waller is just about uh, if there's enough balls to go around with all the talent that they have, Devontae Adams, Hunter Renfro, Josh Jacobs. Of course, you got Kenyon Drake right now. You've got, you know, uh, Brandon Bolden. I mean, there's so many guys that could be playmakers on this team, including Darren Waller. Is there enough balls to actually go around to make everyone satisfied? Yeah, no, that's a good question because it's like, I mean, you see uh, an NBA team, you know, Remember, like, when the Heat got the big three, it's like the first year. It may not click like the way they wanted to because it's like it takes chemistry. It, it works great on, like, Madden and 2K, but it's like, you know, guys got to guys gotta accept roles and know, okay, this is the situations that I do best in and then just bring a certain level of unselfishness to the table and know that everything that we do is about the team, you know. Certain guys, we've accomplished individual things on our own, and now it's like, okay, how do we, you know, maybe sacrifice that a little bit to help you know, the collective achieve what they want to achieve. So there's Darren Waller with the very team-friendly answer right there about if there's enough balls that go around. And uh, he's made it clear that he wants to win. There may be a drop in production a little bit, but uh, that just means numbers statistically, individually, but doesn't mean that the team drops off any. And so that's what he's excited about. Of course, he was asked different questions about his contract. And uh, for the most part, just said that he's leaving that up to his agents and the guys to get it done in the front office. And, and you know, he wants to be a Raider, but I didn't think that that was really really something necessary to bring to the table. Derek Carr was asked about Darren Waller's contract. Josh McDaniels was asked about Darren Waller's contract. So it wasn't a whole lot to report on that. But that's what I got for you for segment number two of today's Locked On Raiders podcast. Just some sound that I thought stood out from Tuesday's mandatory minicamp. Of course, we'll have more for you today. I don't know who we'll talk to, but whoever it is, we'll definitely bring some to the show tomorrow. Coming up in segment number three, your calls and texts straight off that Locked On Raider podcast voicemail line, 707-654-4693. That is the number. We'll get to those calls and texts after I tell you about Built Bar and I check out the website each and every day, built.com, and see what they have, what kind of specials they have. And I promise you, almost every time I go on there, there's something new, like Caramel Brownie. That Built Bar is back. I was talking about that Built Bar in the media room on Tuesday at the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center. I was actually talking to Cassie Soto from the Review Journal. She had the Built Bar Puffs, the birthday cake flavor, and she was saying how great they were. And I told her, hey, Caramel Brownie, that one's back. So she said, hey, that's one I'm going to have to look into. But there's so many different ones to choose from, like Grasshopper Cookie Bar. They have the Granola Bars, Chocolate Peanut Butter, White Chocolate Berry. They have the Mix Box. They have Caramel Brownie, Grasshopper Cookie. They got Brownie Batter, Churro coconut marshmallow cookies and cream and so much more check them out today great taste and snack if you want something that's good for you but at the same time tastes really good built bars are the case for you or built bars are the snack for you for sure so make sure you check them out on the website today built.com use that promo code lock 15 it's all one word l-o-c-k-e-d one five lock 15 is going to save you 15 percent off your order when you go to check out again built.com promo code lock 15 your Locked On Raiders, your daily podcast on the Las Vegas Raiders. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team 
every day. Here we go, Raider Nation. Segment number three of today's Locked On Raiders podcast. Your calls and texts straight off that Locked On Raider podcast voicemail line, 707-654-4693. Haven't had some for a couple days because of the interview with Lester Hayes and, of course, on a Tuesday interview with Mike Haynes. So it's time to get back to some calls and texts, and we'll start things off with Raider Tone, a.k.a. King Raider, calling out of L.A. He's calling to talk about the Madden cover, talking about the interviews with Lester Hayes, Mike Haynes, and Trayvon Merrick, and then talks about his feeling for the upcoming Raider season. Here he is, Raider Tone. Hey, What's up, Q? It's your boy, Raider Tony, a.k.a. King Raider, from out here in L.A., California. And, uh, well, the last time I played my call, it was about John Manning cover, and it really didn't play right. He played my other call. So let me just reiterate. Round of applause. That's how it should have been. John Madden on the cover of Madden 23. Rest in peace. Great coach, John Madden. And um, these uh, last couple of interviews, man, Lester Hayes, he's a cracked up man. He's got so much energy. It's like, bro, I need half of that energy in my work day. He just, once you get him going, he goes. It's like rolling dice. He just goes. Great interview every time. I love that interview. Just like the last one that you played while you was on vacation. Great interviews with Lester Hayes, man. And Trevon Moore, let's just say, like in the words of our boy Q, I'm lathered up. I'm ready to rock and roll for the season. That's how ready I am. I bought about four jerseys this season. I mean, for this season. Got me old school Tim Brown. Got me the great Cliff Brand, the DC, and the Mad Max, of course. But hey, I'm not going to brag about it now. I'm just saying I'm ready for the season. Lathered up. And uh, that Mike Haynes interview as well, man. Great interview. He's, I mean, him and Lester Hayes, their minds are still there. They're just, they got so many, so much wisdom and so many great things to say. And if they, if they could put a little bit of their mentality into the new school, man, we definitely need to win. Go far. And man, win a Super Bowl with just a little bit of that mentality. They got technique, technique. You got to work on technique, guys. And let's go, ready. All right, you. Keep having a great week, man. Keep having a great week, Raider Nation. And uh, my boy. Raider Tony out. Raider Tony, a.k.a. King Raider. I don't know. I always get Raider Tone and Raider Tony uh, mixed up. My bad. But thank you for the call. And those guys, they were great interviews. And I'll tell you right now, they were great interviews because I was honored just to be in position to talk to them. Right, Lester Hayes, Mike Haynes, and Trayvon Merrick, and uh, really did come away very encouraged from what I heard from Trayvon Merrick. Just seems like he's a lot more confident going into year number two. He's excited, ready to take that next step. So uh, very excited about the possibilities of what Trayvon Merrick can do in year two under Patrick Graham, obviously, for the first time. But just think that he's going to have a really big season, and I'm not going to lie. It's actually a guy that I paid attention to a lot on Tuesday at Mandatory Minicamp, and I'll continue to pay attention to him later on today next up i got a text from william in the 530 he says hey q this is william from the 530 been loving the interviews lately is there any way we could possibly get a marcel reese interview would be awesome to hear his thoughts about the new regime and new direction for the team he's always been one of my favorite raiders his love for the organization of raider nation is second to none thanks for everything you do q keep it up that's from william in the 530 and you know i know marcel reese just got a new role 
you know, and that was just announced the other day. I'm not sure if he's doing interviews right now. I've talked to him multiple times. I will attempt to reach out and see if I can get him on. And if I can, I'll have no problem. He is a fun interview. He loves Raider Nation, like you mentioned. He loves the organization, like you mentioned. He's Mark Davis's right-hand man. I just don't know if he's talking right now. But we will find out. I'll find out uh, today when I'm at the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center. I'll ask the powers to be, hey, is there any chance to get a Marcel Reese interview and see what they say? So uh, thank you for the suggestion. I'm writing it down right now, and I'll make sure to take it to the, to the, uh, the facility today and ask that question. Thank you again for the text. I appreciate you. Next up, got a call from Raider X. He's calling to talk about the salary cap space that the Raiders have and what he believes they're doing with it or what he thinks they're thinking about doing with it. Here he is, Raider X. Yo, Q, Raider X, calling about the cap money opened up. We are on the seventh day of June, and things are happening. Obviously, we talked about the Raiders opening up some money to re- invest in their free agents and their and their house, which is Waller and Renfro. Duly noted they will get paid. It's gonna happen. Somehow, somewhere. But as we all know, the Raiders current regime are like ninjas. They walk in stealth. And what we hear out there could mean a little bit of smoke. We heard about the Bradley. Obviously, they had some conversations, things going on. We hear about the Indomitian Sioux. Probably had some conversations going on. They're shaking some trees, having some, you know, agent talk. But that doesn't mean not necessarily that they're out there doing some things. They might not even be looking to just go sign somebody or grab somebody out there. They might be working on a massive trade. I mean, we that Chandler Jones, that Devontae Adams, you know, deals, they came like boom, like a stack of bricks just came out of nowhere. I can see that happening again. Let's all wait because I think what's going to happen is these OTAs are like classroom whiteboard sessions. They want to see how much they develop, how these individuals are, are learning the system and what their, what their progress is as they review coach for coach, position by position, and then they're finally going to break it down, I think something else is still brewing. Let's find out. Now the whole key is which possession, position group. Is it going to be O-line, D-line, secondary? Where are we going to see another major chip fall? That is yet to be seen. Also, the announcer. I like to see Plunkett get a, get a, get a, get a spin. I mean, that is a true Raider, and he needs to be in the Hall of Fame. Go Jim Plunkett. Raider X out. There he goes. That's Raider X. Thank you for the call, my man. There's a lot of different things the Raiders could be working on. And like you said, they could really be working on something big. I'm not saying that they are, but they could be working on something big. They do move very quietly. I have appreciated that from this new regime where there's not a bunch of leaks. There's not a bunch of rumors. All of a sudden, they just go out and they make moves, right? So we will see what they end up doing. And, and like you said, they might not do anything. They might be pretty satisfied with where they're at right now. I feel pretty good about where they're at. As far as Plunkett being in the booth, I know he was in the booth at one point. Remember, he was part of the crew with Tom Flores as well. Uh, I don't know if that's what he wants to do. I don't think he wants to do play-by-play. I think, if anything, he 
did do color, but I don't think he's really into the analyst role type anymore. I know he was doing a weekly hit with me on Raider Nation Radio 920. Uh, I'm just not sure if, if the everyday grind of, of doing game days are, are exactly what he wants to do, but you never know. He may be in consideration, but thank you so much for that call. I do appreciate you. Uh, just got a couple more. How about a text from Michael in Fernley, Nevada? He says, hey, Q. Good day, my man. It's Michael from Fernley, Nevada again. So we hear about Leatherwood, Parham, Good, James, all those guys inside. But what's going on with Alex Bars? Any news on him? Is he in the mix for starter as well? Haven't heard you really say anything about him. Also, just a shout-out. We need to bring Will Compton back. Love that guy. That's Michael of Fernley, Nevada. Thank you for the text, my man. And no, there hasn't been a whole lot on Alex Bars. Maybe that's a guy that I'll pay attention to a little bit later on today, see what's going on with him. Again, haven't really heard a whole lot from him. Sometimes that that's a good thing. Sometimes that's a bad thing. But I'll definitely be looking for number 64 today to see if I see anything from him so I can bring him back and tell you about it. As far as Will Compton, I know a lot of fans are big Will Compton fans. I don't know why. And this is not a disrespect to you or him even. I just don't know what he ever did in the Raiders uniform that made everyone like him so much besides he has a podcast. Like that's literally all I know that he's done. And I know that once Mike Mayock released him last season and then they brought him back, like he was really a cool guy about it. But remember Raider Nation, he didn't really have any options. It's not like a bunch of teams were beating down the door to sign Will Compton. So uh, again, not a disrespect to you. I just never understood. There's always a player or two that a fan really, really loves that really never did anything. And, you know, for a lot of people in Raider Nation, Will Compton is that guy. I just, I don't see it. But, I, hey, it's all good. Uh, definitely appreciate your opinion. Appreciate you chiming in. Let's close things out with a call from San Diego Tony. He's calling to talk about the offensive line and the possibility of rotating the offensive lineman. Here he is, San Diego Tony. What's up, Q? This is San Diego Tony. Um, hey, man, I called a couple months ago um, after the season had ended, and I'm I asked a question about why we don't rotate offensive linemen the way we rotate defensive linemen. And, you know, you mentioned that you need the cohesion and all that stuff. And, dude, you know, after listening to the press conference yesterday, I have a feeling that they're going to, the Raiders are going to lead the way in this new wave of rotating your linemen. I really do. Um, I think it's important for multiple reasons. I think, Obviously, you keep your legs fresh, right? There's a reason we rotate our defensive linemen. They need to be fresh. Why else do we rotate our defensive linemen? Different packages. I think um, you can have guys who are better at pass protection, guys who are better at run blocking, um, and then you can start running counters off of that. Like, oh, they have, like, you know, the defense starts to key up on it. We'll start throwing. They can still pass block if they're run blockers, you know, and vice versa. So, you know, keep the defense on their toes a little bit or make them bite on certain things. I think it's the versatility, I think, is more than just the injuries or, you know, preparing for injury. I think it'll be, um, I mean, hey, maybe someone goes out there, has a bad first series, give them a second shot, has a bad second series, gives up a couple sacks, boot them. You know, we got, there's a reason we have all this backup. Um, I love the versatility. I think having multiple guys on the offensive line, I think we're going to see it this year. And, and, again, not just for injury. Um, anyways, we'll see. But mark my words, I'm calling it today. Anyways, take it easy, man. Peace. There you go, San Diego Tony. And, hey, my man, thank you for the call. And I do remember that call from a few months back. And, honestly, I just, I just don't see a rotating offensive line. I cannot see it. I understand what you're saying, and I understand pulling a guy if he's not playing well. I get that part. 
I just don't see an offensive line rotating like a defensive line would do. These guys got to stay fresh. These guys got to get to the quarterback on the defensive side of things. But the offensive line, man, they I'm telling you, they've got to be one cohesive unit. It is so difficult if you can't find a starting five on that offensive line. If you got to keep on rotating pieces in and out, it's just not going to work for you very often. Now, I could be 100% wrong, and if I am, if the fall comes up and they're playing and they got rotating pieces in there on the offensive line, I'll come back and I'll do a whole show about it and how I was wrong. But uh, I hate to disagree with you here. I just don't see that happening. Uh, the only reason or the only way I see them rotating any guys out, if there's injury or if someone's just struggling at a certain position, then like I said, I can see them pulling them or moving them to another spot. But that's really all. I just don't see them on the regular looking to rotate parts. But again, that's just me. But thank you so much for that call. I do appreciate you. And that's going to do it for today's show. Again, thank you so much for making the Locked On Raiders podcast your first listen each and every day. Remember, you can find the show free and available on all platforms. Coming up tomorrow, we'll have some uh, well, we'll have some reports on what I see today from Mandatory Minicamp. We'll have some sound from whoever talks to us, coaches and players. And, of course, we'll have plenty of news and notes of the day as well as we continue to uh, hammer through this week. Uh, excited about the Warriors game, Game 3 against the Boston Celtics. NBA Finals in Boston. Excited about that this evening, and uh, we'll see how it goes. And I'm hoping that them dubs go ahead and pick up a dub and improve their overall record to 2-1 and one in the NBA Finals, but that's for a little bit later on this evening. So, uh, Raider Nation, uh, do what you do. Take care of yourself. Take care of your family. Love on your family. And most importantly, as always, just win, baby.